I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello, and welcome to the first ever edition of Mischief Makers. I am Dave Hearn, and with me I have the wonderful Mr. Henry Shields. Hello, Shields. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I should point out I'm not actually with you. We no, are communicating no. via the magic of the internet. Yeah, it's pretty great. I imagine there'll be... Uh, oh, I can hear myself echoing again. That's exciting. I was about okay. to say, I imagine there'll be some technical problems. Um, and the listeners should know we're all going to try and do this in one take because I have no editing experience. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, all mistakes will remain. Uh, okay, good. So I thought um, I'd make this program to kind of reach out to the fans of Mischief and help people get to know everyone in the company. Uh, so I'm going to begin with something that's on everyone's mind, uh, which is the coronavirus. Mm. Uh, but I'd like to kind of put a bit of a twist on it. So can you think of a way uh, in which the coronavirus has impacted you and affected your life in, in a positive way? Oh, that's a that's a tough one, because mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> a positive way uh i mean I'm, I'm currently trapped in my flat on my own my girlfriend's had to move out because she's got the coronavirus um oh i didn't know that yeah well if we think she does she she's lost her sense of taste and smell oh um, wow so there's not a lot of positive coming out of it uh i i was lucky in that i ordered a playstation 4 just before this all hit and oh wow! Know. So I've had lots of time to get to play PlayStation games. That's about as fun as it's got. <laughs> I've just finished The Last of Us, which is amazing. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, really good, really, really good. It's quite a bleak ending, isn't it? It is. I I, I quite liked it. I thought it was kind of kind of hopeful and open ended. I mean, they're saving up for the second one, aren't they? The yeah. Sequel. Well, they um they were never going to make a second one, and then um uh, quite a lot of fans in the sort of gaming world were quite upset by the idea of making a second one um but i'm i'm a huge fan and i've seen some yeah. of the trailers for it and it looks great oh great yeah so yeah that's been a positive a sort of positive um yeah so you've been I, keeping I, I, a, a less selfish positive is that um other than that <laughs> i've just got to sit and play games is uh, that i definitely had a lot more contact with my family um since becoming completely isolated from them uh, yeah it's I, weird isn't it yeah, yeah. I, I speak to my mum and my dad every day now. Um, we've got a family WhatsApp that is buzzing with with chat all the time now. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, before before all of this happened, I probably would have spoken to them once a week or once a month even. Yeah, I think a lot of people are finding that. Like, I'm, I'm finding that I'm connecting with people way more than I usually would because the thought of it being taken away uh, is quite scary. And so yeah. the idea of just being like, oh, well, I must speak to them however I can. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. And we're all, you know, even though we're physically separated, we're all connecting a lot more than we were before, which is nice. Yeah. And um, Mischief, it should be said, are trying to, uh, this is one of the the projects that we're kind of venturing. We're trying to do some new stuff via the internet and radio, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is proving challenging, but yeah. hopefully something will come of it. 
Exactly. I'm in the middle of editing our first episode of Cornley Cultural Radio. Mm. Uh, and we'll Which... see what that turns out to be. <laughs> I believe it's uh, our second attempt at the first episode. <laughs> yes, the first attempt was bad. <laughs> we tried to record... Yeah tried to record uh it's Cornley cultural radio is a sort of uh, comedy in character comedy radio show and we tried to record one just sort of off the cuff over the internet with all of us on headphones and it was just a mess it was just a mess of bad improv it was just <laughs> carnage could see each other talking yeah, over each other the whole time it was terrible um but then yeah. we then you me and uh and henry Lewis got to got together over the internet and wrote a script and now it's much better <laughs> yeah that was weird we did it over sort of was it house party yes on yeah the house party app. yeah that was that was that was a fun afternoon actually yeah, although it's weird because when you come up with an idea and you sort of deliver it there's a slight delay on it and so <laughs> you you've delivered the joke terribly. and then nobody laughs <laughs> yeah, yeah. get a horrible silence you go oh, i'm terrible at this but no it's yeah uh, i think it's good i think it's funny what we've got so far great well i look forward to listening to it um so we're going to move to the first section which is getting to know you um uh, but i sort of mentioned before we started recording i don't have any jingles um or anything prepared so for the different sections i thought i'd ask you to make up a quick three second jingle uh so could you give me your getting to know you jingle getting to know you jingle i've got my piano here i could try and oh great play yeah yeah go for it Getting to know you, uh, getting to know you, jingle, this is it. <laughs> that was a jingle for <laughs> I the like jingle, that. really. <laughs> no, that was good. That was really good. And we'll, um, and then we'll have that to close. So I'll let you know when the, uh, when, when we're going to close this section. Well, do you want to play it again or will you loop that? Uh, no, no, I'll just, I'll get you to play it again. Yeah, okay, definitely. Yeah. I'll have to remember yeah. that one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so the first question, uh, I've got is, um, so I'm using my insider knowledge, you see. Uh, mm. So some people uh, may not know this about you, but uh, you know how to fly a hot air balloon. Is that right? That is true, yes. Yeah, so tell us about that. How did how did that come about? How did you get into that? Oh, is that what the fans want to know? <laughs> no, that's just what I want to know. <laughs> uh, well, legally, I'm not allowed to fly a hot air balloon on my own, I should say. I'm oh, no. a trainee pilot, and I've been desperately trying to get my full license and actually i was supposed to be in italy in a week's time uh doing an intensive course to get my license that's obviously not going to happen now that's mm. fallen through uh but it started out with my dad he is a hot air balloon pilot and has been since he was about 30 before i was born and so i was uh, in in the basket from probably three or four months old he took me oh wow time and i've been flying all the time ever since um originally as a passenger and then when I was as a teenager he started teaching me and I've probably piloted 50 60 hours something like that in the balloon wow. so I can fly a balloon. Awesome. I'm just not allowed to fly a balloon not allowed to uh to gung-ho with the gas <laughs> I'm not allowed <laughs> on my own like I, I could physically fly a balloon. if you put me in a if there was an emergency if you and me were in a in a hot air balloon with a trained pilot and the pilot had a heart attack I could safely land that balloon. Oh, that, I mean, that is impressive. I wonder what you and I would be doing in a hot air balloon, though. Having a romantic uh, hot air balloon flight together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me and, yeah. you, me and the pilot, that would be fun. Um, so your dad took you up when you were three months old. Yeah, there's a story he tells all the time uh, where they used to put me in a harness that they would attach to the side of the balloon. And they took me up. I was probably a little older by the time this story took place, maybe a year old. And they sat me on the side of the basket while, the, while they were in flight. And at some point, they were all just looking away, and I just fell out of the balloon oh and was God. dangling a couple of meters below on a, on a rope. And no one noticed. They all just completely forgot I was there. <laughs> so apparently, I, di I didn't make any fuss. I was just convinced that that was part of the part of the experience. So wow. I just hung underneath the balloon for a good sort of half an hour before anyone wondered where the where the baby had gone, and looked over the side and saw me just dangling there. That's Quite absolutely happy. crazy. How what irresponsible parenting. Oh, that's just the start of it. My parents, my parents, <laughs> quite irresponsible. Yeah, I've got a lot of stories of when I was a kid being 
left places my mum left me at the bank once and went home and came back for me and I was lost there I once got locked outside the uh Eastbourne Leisure Centre for a couple of hours because I was I was too small to push the door open it was quite a heavy door I'd oh, wow. gotten out into the car park they'd got inside and a couple of hours later they, I was discovered outside the door desperately trying <laughs> to push it trying to get back in <laughs> Really, okay. really bad parenting. Yeah, they sort of, you end, you sort of ended up being a bit like a sort of domestic cat trying to get into some bedroom. <laughs> exactly, yeah, just clawing at the door, and uh, and yeah, hours. People they, they by that point had raised the alarm, I think, and people were searching the building. Wow. And do so? Do you remember these kind of tragedies fondly, or do they scar you in any way? I don't really remember them. I think they've probably been blanked out of my memory. Um, mm. because they were so traumatizing at the time <laughs> but now I, I can just sort of look back on them as if there's something that happened to someone else because i have no really no memory at all of it happening wow that's so that is amazing um well let's fast forward from your childhood a bit and um you were were you training to be a nurse before you became an actor yes i was that happened. why why the change weird isn't it that i was a nurse um yeah. i well i came out of college uh, I was very ill for a while. I was hospitalized with leukemia. Um, mm. And that sort of put my life on hold. That, that happened on my 18th birthday. I was hospitalized. Um, that put my life on hold for about a year, year and a half. And after that, I really didn't know what I was going to do with myself and was at a bit of a loss. Because um, everything had just sort of, there'd been this massive speed bump in my life that just threw any plans out of the window and any any kind of enthusiasm I'd had coming out of college was gone I didn't really have much drive to get on with life um so I think my mum just suggested why don't you try nursing that's something and I I was interested in medicine so I went for it I trained at King's College London for I think I was there for about four or five months um in which time they they did put me into a hospital ward I was working at St Thomas's for a couple of months uh in care for the elderly and then eventually i came to my senses a bit and realized that it really wasn't for me and it was a really hard job being a nurse mm. is an incredibly difficult job i was just exhausted the whole time you're up at sort of 6 a.m and you don't finish till well got 7 or 8 p.m it's incredibly long days and really yeah. hard work really draining morally draining um morale draining i mean not morally it's not, <laughs> it's not immoral <laughs> Um, so I gave it up and I, I applied for drama school and got in there. Wow. And so with the, you know, sort of living through something like leukemia, which I imagine is, is quite a, such a big impact on your life. Do you find things like the coronavirus to be, uh, less concerning? <laughs> no, well, I normally would. I, I generally have quite a stoic attitude, I think towards things however the coronavirus because when i had leukemia i uh went in with legionnaire's disease and pneumonia that's what what how my disease presented and how they caught it in the first place mm. um, that means that my lungs are quite weak and have always been a bit uh, knackered from then on so the coronavirus is particularly dangerous to me annoyingly so i do have to take this one very seriously which is why i'm properly isolated completely on my own and why my girlfriend, uh, as soon as she thought she might be sick, immediately moved out to not get me ill. Yeah, yeah, because mm. that would be uh, that would be pretty pretty awful if we lost you. We wouldn't want to do <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that would be a shame at this point. Um, well, uh, let's uh, let's brighten it up a little. <laughs> um, so we actually talked about this very briefly, but um, you and I both share a keen interest in uh, in computer games. We do. Um, yes. And uh, I just talk us through some of your one or two of your favorite games. Ah, oh, favorite games. Well, you and me are both pretty obsessed with RimWorld. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. But <laughs> should point out that it's not a kind of sexual game. No, even really. though it sounds like a sexual game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who named it RimWorld because they they no. made an amazing game and they just fell at the last hurdle and they thought we'll call it RimWorld. Yeah, it sounds terrible. <laughs> Um, yeah but it's horrid great. sex world yeah yeah so you and me will often sit in the dressing room uh playing RimWorld side by side and sort of chatting over what our colonists are up to in that yeah i find our dressing room uh i really enjoy sharing a dressing with you because it people might think it's a party in there but it's not 
It's two no, silent it's... men. <laughs> <laughs> it's very calm and very yeah. quiet and very sort of, it's quite geeky. Uh, mm. A sort of constant low level of chat. I quite like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. So um, RimWorld is one. And, um, one. I'm and you mentioned of Last of Us. Well. And uh, yeah, Last of Us. Well, Last of Us I've just finished, which I really enjoyed. Um, mm. Had a great storyline. I'm not usually into games that are heavily story based, but that one is, and it's brilliant. And yeah, the Total War games. I'm also pretty obsessed with. I've played all of those. Um, big into the uh, medieval history, medieval military history. Mm, is uh, that because you grew up in Hastings? It's not because of that. I think I probably would have been. <laughs> <laughs> would have been no matter where I was born, I would have been interested in it. But uh, Hastings. Nah, blame it on Hastings. Blame it on Hastings. Uh, well, Hastings does have a rich medieval history, and I could tell you all about the Battle of Hastings and uh, I, I and everyone involved. I don't know if that's the kind of thing that anyone would get, care about at all on a podcast. Yeah, no, I feel like they would care more about you. Um, you know, they could just Google Hastings. Um, <laughs> but could you give us what's your? Have you got like a favourite fact about the Battle of Hastings that you'd like to share? Uh, a favourite fact about the Battle of Hastings. No one is quite sure how Harold Godwinson died. That's an interesting one. Because okay. the Bayeux Tapestry, which is the the uh, best record of what happened in the battle, the part where it uh, it describes how Harold died, it has written in Latin, um, I can't remember the Latin, it, it, Death of Harold in Latin, whatever that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> it depicts an image of someone getting uh, killed with an arrow in their eye underneath the name Harold, but underneath the word death is a depiction of someone being killed by a man on a horse with a sword. So no one is quite sure which of those two was supposed to be Harold. Was it Harold or was it the man dying? Or was it some combination of both? Maybe he got hit in the eye with an arrow and a guy on a horse went, ah, I'll get him and take the glory. Not letting that arrow arrow get away with it. That's I'll, a fact, uh, I'll that's what I find interesting. Pooch that kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, great. And um, the uh, something else you're also a big fan of is uh, is reading. Do you have any mm. uh, Do you have any book recommendations for our listeners whilst they're isolated? I read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. You're probably mm-hmm. starting to build up an image of an incredibly geeky man in your mind because that's what yeah. I have. <laughs> it's all computer games, medieval military history, and books <laughs> and sci-fi. <laughs> uh, but I'm reading the Broken Earth trilogy at the moment, which is really good. Um, what is that? It's a, a sort of high high fantasy sci-fi thing. I think set in the future. It's not entirely clear yet. Um, okay. All about these people who can control seismic activity with their minds. Um, wow. It's, one, it's the only sci-fi series to win the Hugo Award for Science Fiction three years in a row, written by a, an American woman. It's brilliant. Okay. You'll have to, uh, separately to this, send me that, because uh, yeah. I'm looking I for some new like stuff it. to read, but I do like fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And Brandon Sanderson is also excellent. Have I got you on to reading any of those? No, I don't think so. Oh, what are they? The Mistborn series in particular. Um, again, high fantasy books, but you'd really, really like those ones. What's a, what's a low fantasy book? Uh, well, high fantasy and low fantasy, the, the difference is, I think, um, high fantasy means that it's an entirely fictional world. Like every, the, the, the physics of the world are, are imaginary and it's an entire new civilization on a different continent or whatever. Okay. Whereas low fantasy would be something like uh, something set in this world so um like, uh, lo- low sci-fi would be like et for example sure uh, it's okay, this yeah. world but an alien has come to it yeah. i see i see that makes sense okay mm. well that's good um okay well should we uh, wrap up the getting to know you section with the yeah, getting I've... to know you jingle <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i've completely forgotten what it was uh, you, i think you could probably make up a new one yeah i think it'd be okay Getting to know you, Jingle. That was it. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, so we're going to go straight into the next section, which is, um, you might be able to help me with this, actually, because all I've got is this is questions from the web. Um, questions from which the web. Is, but that's, that's what it is. It's people who have sent in questions from Twitter and stuff like that. Okay, um, do you want another Jingle? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 
questions from the web. <laughs> Why do you say web? <laughs> web so weird. <laughs> it's really hard to to get the note right when I've got headphones on and I can't quite hear the piano. But yeah. you can just hear one half of it. Web. <laughs> um, okay, so here are. Um... Oh no, you've got to go for it again. Please do. No, no, no. I've, I've moved on. <laughs> Uh, so we've had a lot of. Uh, we'll start with writing. So we've had a lot of people asking uh, yeah. questions about the writing of. The where shows. are these questions coming from? Where, where on the mainly, web? mainly Twitter, right. only Twitter. Are they coming to you specifically? Are they saying, "Dave, find this out for me"? What is this? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of keen beans. No, it's. Uh, I tweeted yesterday saying I'm interviewing uh, Henry Shields today and Henry Lewis later. Do you have any questions for them? Uh, um, were there more questions uh, for Hen than me? <laughs> They, I think they were. I, do you know what? Sometimes I think people think you're the same person because you're both I, called Henry. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we can this exclusive on this broadcast: Henry Shields and Henry Lewis, <laughs> different people. Yeah, people often come up to me thinking I'm Henry Lewis, and if I mm. realise that they think I'm Henry Lewis, I'm incredibly rude to that person on Hen's behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, so these are some of the questions uh, geared towards uh, writing. Mm. Uh, one of them is, uh, what's uh, the kind of process of your writing? Do you plan stuff out before, or do you just kind of improvise it in the room? That's an interesting question. It's a bit of both is the answer. Uh, I think because there's three of us, we have to accommodate each other's needs and desires. Uh, I know that John really prefers to just start writing and just crack mm -hmm. straight on and, and, you know, just get some stuff on the page and then figure out where, where we're going from there. Whereas I am much more, uh, I prefer to plan things out. I prefer to know where I'm going before I start. So it's a mm. bit of both. You, you probably, at the beginning of the process, you, you just start writing. Um, I go with John on that and we just start writing and see what we get. Then as soon as you've got a little bit of kind of tangible, okay, I start to feel like we know what this show is or this play is or whatever, then we sit down and plot out uh, the the storyline. And mm. then you go back to, you know, when you've got a vague shape of a storyline, then you pick a point that particularly interests you, and then you start just randomly writing again. You just sort of get clay on the wheel, start writing a few pages of dialogue to see what that bit's like, and then go back to planning and re-plan re what you've, uh, based on what you've found. So it kind of sort of morphs from what you originally thought it might be. Yeah, nothing, you know, plans are, plans don't last long. <laughs> you make a plan and you think it's brilliant and you know exactly what the play is. And then a month later, 10% of it is, is remaining. <laughs> yeah. It just changes constantly as, as you write, things constantly change, yeah. And so what's... Um... As stuff morphs, and I know we've kind of spoken about this before, what's kind of, out of all of the, the plays and, and stuff that you've written, what's been the hardest moment to kind of finalise about a play where you have to kind of make a decision that this particular moment is going to be like this? Because I imagine there are quite a lot of options for each different thing. It's always the ending that's the trickiest. We, we very rarely, as a three, we very rarely agree on exactly how a play should end. Um, mm. Not necessarily the big end of the arc story but the final scene or the final moment is often very very tricky to get right um, because yeah. it, there's so much weight on the, whatever the final moment is in a play you really want to get it just right so we, we, we always disagree on how play should end um, and we have 10 different versions of every different play that we try out until we find one we settle on I mean you remember Bank Robbery had that that very dark scene originally <laughs> Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some people may have seen that scene. Um, may have, yeah. Originally, yeah. that play ended with uh, with a man being burnt to death. <laughs> it was being set, yeah, it was yeah, Ruth poured vodka all over the apartment and then dropped a lighter on it or something. Yeah, <laughs> set fire to him, which yeah. was very dark. Yeah, uh, and, you know, it really the killed a, the end of that show. It really did, at the end of a very light, breezy comedy play. <laughs> you just had the audience go, Oh, oh no! <laughs> Blackout. Yeah, I do remember that. Quietly start, kind of okay, it's over. 
Yeah. That lasted about a month, I think, before I, we changed that one to the much preferred ending now, where she just handcuffs him and leaves. Yeah, yeah. it's quite yeah. it's quite a much cleaner ending, I think. It is. <laughs> yeah. But we had that with a lot of the plays. We've always struggled to get the ending just right. Play that goes wrong, we, we, we had that whole slow fade ending for a while. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was poor. That was poor, where we yeah. finished the play... Uh, Greg said the last line as Jonathan, and then we would have a thirty-second lights fade. Yeah, and I think they came back up as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they go <laughs> and go and go, and then come back on, and then go again, really, really long and slow. Which I think is actually really funny, but definitely was a terrible idea. Yeah, because it was just a poor again, ending. like you just want the play to end. You want people to just know it's finished and start clapping. It's not the time to start messing with with uh, the expectation there. Yeah. <laughs> get people confused and what is going on? When do we start applauding? I've got to Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Say that's one of my uh, one of my bugbears about theatre is um, mainly directors, but like in shows where it's it's not it's just not clear where something's finished. Mm. And yeah. you're sort of you've got sat to have there strong and... blackout points. We know this. Yeah, that's why musicals. Everyone loves musicals, especially British people, because it's a claptrap. Mm. We like to know what to do. We like to know what the etiquette is. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. Song finishes. You applaud. <laughs> no one wants to be in that awkward position where they want to applaud and they're not sure if they're allowed, or they or they do applaud and then they realise they shouldn't have. That's that's poison. That's to a the British worst. Person. Can't handle. Yeah. A sort yeah. of retracted applause. Yeah, when you know, and that's that's terrible because that's like a it's like a booby trap for your best audience members. If you're doing a play, <laughs> the people who are really on side, who are really willing you to do well, will be the first people to applaud. And if you put something in there that they'll go yay, and then realize, oh no, there's more. You, you just yeah. you, you score an own you, goal there. You've sort of tricked them and and, <laughs> yeah. and like siphoned away their enthusiasm. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, punishing yeah. your own audience. Well, that's you sort of um, probably not an exclusive to this, uh, this, this, whatever this is. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, you know, we often have a lot of people compliment our work and say how much they enjoy it, and um, they are often seeing the kind of final result of of a lot of hard work in front, especially in previews um, mm. with our theatre shows. But what often people don't see is the the sheer amount of, of, of poor stuff we come up with <laughs> and, exactly. uh, and just cut away. Yeah, no one ever sees all of it. Unless you come to every preview, you never see all of our terrible ideas because we spread them mm. out. We try everything and we get it yeah. wrong a lot. But I think that's a, an important lesson in creativity generally. A lot of people, I think, are intimidated away from uh, from creating things themselves, from becoming writers or or playwrights or authors whatever because they only ever look at the finished product you only ever sure. look at this brilliant novel or this fantastic play and think god i can never do that how can you how can i possibly make something so brilliant as that but you're mm. only seeing the final the final finished product you're not seeing the months and months and years and years of getting it wrong that gets it to that place yeah i think that's really true because i think like i I've written a play and I've, I'm also working on a TV thing with, with Charlie and, um, and I just have absolutely no fear because I know it's going to be shit. And so <laughs> I know it will get made better and I'll like send it to you guys and we'll do like R and D and we'll talk about it and we'll get directors in and producers and people will pull it apart and 
will mm. just make it better. But at the moment, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's going to be bad for a little while until it's not yeah. bad. But I'm not exactly. really scared of that. No, but having, I mean, the reason you, you can not be afraid of that is because you've had the experience of seeing the creative process. Yeah. Seeing firsthand how long and slow and difficult it is to create something mm. that works. I've also been uh, one of the people that's had to deliver some of the bad ideas to <laughs> 600 people and You're receive silence. Person, quite often, yeah. <laughs> you, you get yourself into that situation by being very open and uh, and strong, uh, sort of strong-willed, I think. Yeah, I'm game actor, for... Uh... We know when we're writing something, we know that we can just go, well, we'll give that to Dave. And he'll have a go <laughs> he'll have a go and it'll probably die but at least dave won't be upset with us <laughs> yeah he'll know we'll all know if it's bad or not yeah and dave will take it on the chin <laughs> <laughs> my now ruined chin yeah um so in terms of uh writing new stuff um i think this is something that we've actually discussed as a company and i think a lot of people want to know um and actually it might be a question that you guys find quite annoying now as writers but have you ever thought about doing a musical that goes wrong oh we have had that question quite a lot mm. uh we we thought about it we even chatted about we, we, we knocked around some ideas of what that might be um, and we do have a vague idea of what that could be i think the reason we haven't done it is that firstly we don't want to keep doing more and more goes wrong stuff to the point where people are sick of it yeah, um, and I think we having just done Magic Goes Wrong, um, and now uh, in the position where we're working on the second series of the Goes Wrong show, there's certainly more than enough. That if we were to do a musical now, I think we would just be oversaturating the market. Yeah, um, and I think if we hadn't done Magic, we probably would have done a musical. But Penn and Teller came along and suggested the Magic show. Yeah, superseded it. So yeah, it, you know, one day it could happen. But certainly, we would want to have a, a good long break. From the goes wrong stuff before we tackle it yeah and i know we as a, as a company as well have, have talked about um not you know only doing goes wrong stuff and making sure we kind of have a, a breadth of work that we mm. can be really proud of yeah i suppose you don't want to get too entrenched in especially as writers as well you guys writing stuff you don't want to kind of get too entrenched in writing this not the same thing but you know similar similar stuff oh, exactly it's the it's the curse of of uh, of success i think that we've been really fortunate and we cr we managed to kind of create this this thing stumble across this concept that really works and create these characters that that are incredibly uh successful beyond anything we thought they would be that they really not to be uh, too arrogant about it but they you know they have done really well and mm. the plays the plays have been so successful all over the world but when when you have that level of success in one thing it's really hard to convince anyone to not do that you know yeah. all anyone comes to us with is, is ideas for more goes wrong stuff which is totally understandable because even the other stuff we've done that has been really good like bank robbery for example which i, I think is one of the best things we've created has has never had the same level of success as play that goes wrong or peter pan goes wrong and will never have that success just because they're in a different category really of um, yeah you know that that's massive worldwide spread of success it, it's just not going to be replicated so anyone who comes to us with a new idea or, or wanting to produce a new show isn't going to be gravitating towards the new material and it's quite easy to latch on to the goes wrong thing isn't it because it's such a once you understand the concept it, it's so simple yeah and so it's as where yeah like bank robbery is a, is a kind of style of comedy as where like goes wrong is just is much more accessible, I think, isn't it, it is, in terms yeah. of it's, creating stuff. It translates stuff. so well. It's real classic slapstick stuff. So, I, you know, I, I can tell why. I can see why it's so successful, and I don't begrudge it that at all. But I do think uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if we were able to achieve the same level of success with anything other than it goes wrong, because, I, I mean, that doesn't... It happens once, once, in a, once in a lifetime, really, that someone gets to create something that does as well as the goes wrong things have done. Mm. Uh, so it seems unlikely that we would think of another idea that would have the same reach yeah we'll uh we'll keep trying stay yeah. tuned well i mean we will <laughs> we are we have got other ideas and we are working on other things i think that they're all just going to be like most things are that they'll be uh they'll be more niche they'll be brilliant for a small group rather than brilliant yeah you know? sort of cult following yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's even as small as it's like when you look at anything that's successful, any kind of 
what you know pick a good tv program that you like something like peep show for example i love peep show i think it's brilliant mm. um that only ever had a, a viewership of a, around a million people per episode which is pretty small and it's you know it's absolutely brilliant i think it's one of the best things that's ever been made on tv it won so many awards and things it was really really great but didn't have massive wide appeal so isn't considered the same level of successful as something like I know Mrs. Brown's boys, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fleabag was quite similar, wasn't it? It, it, yeah, it didn't Fleabag, have a, a huge following. Small, small viewing figures. Yeah. Um, not reflected by the quality of the show. Um, yes, for those of you listening, if you've not watched Peep Show or Fleabag, uh, do do watch them. They're very do good. Do watch them. They really um, are. Hmm. Uh, so I quite like this question um, because I actually don't think I know the answer to it. Um, why has Gwyneth Paltrow appeared in two of your plays? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. I think it's, uh, I, I, I'd like to say it's just coincidence, but I think it's because she's kind of in our minds a bit because <laughs> she annoys us, I think. Because <laughs> when we're in the writing room and we chat, occasionally Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, the, in the news, she'll have done some mad thing or <laughs> created some ridiculous herbal remedy that's poisoning women or something like that yeah what and was it, the latest thing was it about curing cancer or something I don't or like know with that. a crystal oh uh, yeah that's i mean it sounds like her it could be anything like that <laughs> there are so many i don't allow myself to read any, any of those articles anymore <laughs> but gwyneth paltrow did just get on our nerves a little bit i suppose it was the eggs in the vagina thing yes that, that was it was, she was particularly criticized for and and now she's come out with her tv program the goop factory or something like that what was it okay like the goop, i thought you said the gooch factory <laughs> <laughs> no that's a tv program that you and i would watch yes no definitely but yeah i you know i don't really have anything against Gwyneth paltrow um she, it's, it's not my world you know it's just it's a completely different it doesn't appeal it's not i'm not the target audience so i understand that yeah it yeah. does bother me when she tries to actively damage women to make money but i don't think that's her intent <laughs> no i don't think it is and i think um i think but i know what you mean like it's it's uh, who who is she to give sort of medical advice yeah she probably shouldn't be giving medical advice that's, no that's... no so i think that she seeped into our subconscious a bit so when it got to the point where well we need to make fun of a celebrity who should we pick <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously we're in the country yeah yeah I don't know. we don't really make fun of her do we we did a bit in no, Grown Ups. No, there's, uh, yeah, the Grown Ups is because is you sort of link her to Moon. Um, yeah, and sort, sort of by association, that's a gag. Yeah. Um, but in and then magic, what is in Magic? Because she's in, she's in the Crystal Ball. Yeah. But that genuinely is just a look into our psyche. That's just us in the writing room being unable <laughs> to think of anything other than Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> and there is something funny. Henry Lewis saying Gwyneth is quite amusing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, funny about I, that it doesn't name. have to be Gwyneth Paltrow. It's one of those things where you you write it, and then as soon as someone laughs at it, it's that forever. You know, it would be yeah. easy to change it to another celebrity, but but now people are attached to it. You can't do that. If it was another celebrity, who would you do? Appearing in the Crystal Ball. Like See, I, I can't Chegwin. imagine anyone else now. It's it's Gwyneth Paltrow in my head. It can't, it can't be funnier than Gwyneth Paltrow now. Yeah, it's I'm true. Sure it could be, but I can't see it. It's like uh, Duran Duran in Play That Goes Wrong. Which I, yeah. I always thought was maybe maybe that's not the right song. Maybe we could have a different band and, and a more maybe a more recognisable band for the younger viewers. But because it's always been that way, I don't think we'd ever be able to change it now. Yeah. I hope Play That Goes Wrong is still going like 50 or even 100 years <laughs> and it's still Duran Duran and people are like, in what is years, this? Play That Goes Wrong in 100 years. It, yeah, if it's still going in a hundred years, then that that will be Duran Duran's claim to fame by that point. That's very true. Yeah, they yeah. will have beaten their actual music. They'll be known for yeah. being the songs in that play, <laughs> and it will have uh, outlived all of us. Yeah, well, uh, that's true. I'll, um, years, I'll definitely be. Yeah. I'll definitely be gone. I'll have uploaded myself to a machine by then. That's the plan. That's a good idea. Mm. Um, okay, so this is quite a nice question. These are more sort of um, mischief-centric rather than writing-centric. Uh, what is the best thing about being in mischief? 
the best thing. It's probably, uh, it's quite, it's a really good friend group, I think. And I, having seen the friends I knew from school and college, having seen them grow up and seen what their lives are like, I am able to really appreciate how great a friendship group Mischief is. Because mm. there is a lot, there are a lot of us, and we're all really close, and we all really get along and, and find each other very funny. And you know, a lot of my friends who I still am in contact with from school have very small friendship groups that you know they, they all have two or three people who they see regularly. And yeah, which does it, you know, fr from our perspective, seems like very few people at all. Like, how mm. do you get by without a massive gang of friends? How do you, <laughs> how do you not have a huge creative group of people at your beck and call? So I'm, you know, I think that is the best part of it, the fact that we are a big group of friends, and it's gone on for so long and has has taken over my life so much that now mischief is my social life. Yeah, which is a good thing and a bad thing, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, I find I'm if in order to kind of have something social outside of mischief is is quite an active effort. Yeah, I have to work hard. I do have friends that I know from school, like I say. But I do have to really work to see them. I have to really like book in time and get and get get groups on the what get people on the WhatsApp group and get everyone to agree to it. And we all get together and we bring wine and food and stuff. But it's always you know a bit of an effort. Something you can only really do every couple of months at the most. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's the same because it's yeah, it's kind of weird. You sort of realise that you're like, oh, even if you even not even through choice, the people in mischief have become your best friends. Yeah, and yeah, uh, that's it. and like, yeah, that's it. We're done forever. And <laughs> if if the if the company ever splits up, I feel like we'll all just sort of shut down. Yeah, I don't know what we do. That'd be so weird. Yeah, I don't see um, because of that. I don't think the company really can end, even if people stop watching. We'll just keep producing whatever the hell we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be for us. We'll just be grinding it out in people's gardens. I wouldn't mind. It'll be you and me doing mile gigs, you know? Yeah, getting <laughs> up in Edinburgh. Yeah, do some improv on the mile. It doesn't bother me. We've pre-sold four tickets. <laughs> Two if comps. All, I mean, if it all fell apart, if everything ended up, you know, if the, if we never saw the other side of the coronavirus, if all of the theatres never recovered and we didn't get the shows back on, I'd be up for going back to Edinburgh and doing improv again. Wouldn't mind. Out in the streets. Yeah. Two metres distance. Improv. <laughs> gigs on the bus yeah Audience that would back. be great yeah. <laughs> um so uh in terms of the uh your your now quite uh, long stint with mischief um what is the thing that you are most proud of of our creative works yeah um, creative works or uh an achievement from mischief or something you've done yourself or something I you've think, written i think comedy about a bank robbery as i mentioned earlier is probably the, the favorite thing of mine that we've done i don't necessarily think it's our best work it's mm. just that i i am most proud of it because we really pushed ourselves to do something completely different and really achieved it that time yeah um, i think it's always very hard to move away from something like the goes wrong thing to, to move away from something you know and have been doing it's very difficult to push yourself into a new a completely unknown uh, area and we did that and i love bank robbery i think we I'm very proud of every everybody's work in that. I think it really came together. And the sort of melodrama aspects of it, the physical theatre, it's just so very different. I don't I you know, I don't love it because it's the best thing we've ever done. I love it because it's the most unusual thing we've ever done. Sure. That's a very good answer. Um and uh I quite like this question as well. Uh in your opinion, who in mischief would be the best to have for a zombie apocalypse? Oh, that'd be you, Dave. You know this. You'd, you'd have me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously. I feel like we've had this discussion. Yeah, I think you and me would probably, we wouldn't, we, we, we'd have the plan ready formed, zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I think you'd probably be good with a gun, you know. I think you'd probably know how to get a gun. <laughs> yeah, both think, of those uh, things. Yeah, I think, you, you, I think you've got the, the fitness that would be required to move quickly. And, uh, and you know, you, you'd have the ruthlessness. You'd know when we need to leave <laughs> someone behind. Yeah, I'd know when to pull the trigger. Yeah, I think that's yeah, exactly. Uh, that's uh, sad but fair. <laughs> it is. It is. But you, you know, you know that you and me would be the survivors. 
That's true. Charlie's convinced she would be the first to die. She was like, I think if 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 I saw a zombie, I'd immediately just kill myself because I yeah, know that, sounds... that I would slow everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's very honest of her. I think. Yeah, that's very sweet. But I think I'd feel quite bad. Who would, who would I pick? Do you know what? It's it's it would be. T- I mean, I I would have to pick Charlie because we're together. But assuming that she's already well, I mean, killed I, herself. Yeah, um, I would obviously have to pick Ellie, but uh, same yeah. reason. I, I, I think she would understand. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, do you know what? It's pretty close between you and Mike Bodie. Because oh, Mike Bodie would be very helpful. Genuine survival expert. And um, yeah. I think if I asked this question to Mike Bodie, he would say himself again. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're right, actually. I probably should have picked Bodie over you, thinking about it now. He's a very handy man to have in a crisis. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you could just go into the woods with just, like, Bodes and a kind of, you know, a knife, and you'd probably be okay. You'd figure something out. You're probably right about that. Did you hear about his his kind of intense, uh, like, scouts thing, where he had to go into the woods literally for, like, three days with, like, some tarpauling and, like, a tin of tuna? Like it was With the scouts. It, yeah, he does this. Like, um, I, I'm going to interview him uh, later in the week, so I'll ask him about it. But um, he he does this kind of very. It's the sort of SAS of the scouts, mm. <laughs> um, and they kind of get these sort of crazy badges for doing you know different things, and one of them is is uh, survival training, surviving in the woods. I think it is for three days, um, wow. with like really minimal stuff, and um, yeah, and he did it. And I was like, how did you find it? And he was like, not a problem. <laughs> I was just like, okay. I didn't realize the scouts went in for that sort of thing. I thought they were a bit more like, I thought it was, you know, tying knots and, and maybe yeah. building a raft now and then. I think it's like when you get older, there's a, there's a, a kind of, uh, thing. I don't know, yeah, like a shadow syndicate of <laughs> like the scouts where you can do more extreme things. Scouts after dark, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the close of questions from the web. So, could you give us the jingle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't possibly finish the section without the jingle. What was it? I'll find my note this time. I'm not a good singer. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> Questions from the web. Again, you said web weird. <laughs> web. <laughs> the webby. Web. Questions from the web. Um, and then we're going to finish. We're going to finish with a quick fire round. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you loads of quick. Uh, well, they, well, the questions might not be quick, but your answers need to be quick. Yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> You know how a quick fire round works. Uh, it's not your first time. Um, oh, yeah. But do you want to give us a quick fire jingle? Oh, I've just moved away from the piano. This is going to be a slow fire oh. jingle. <laughs> or you can do a cappella. No, I'm good, I'm good. Quick fire. That's, that's the... <laughs> nice, nice coda. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, I'll ask a bunch of questions and uh, you can try and answer them as quickly as possible. Um if I get good at post-production, at this point, there will be some kind of dramatic music playing underneath. Good. If there is no dramatic music playing underneath at this point, I have not figured out how to no. do that. Well, no, uh, okay, are you ready? Yes. Yes. Good. Here we go. Okay. Um, what is your favorite color? Green. What is your spirit animal? Tiger. Who is the bossiest member of Mischief? Nancy. Who is the most likely to corpse on stage? Harry. Is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? It's cake. What is your favourite film? Iron Giant. And finally, who is your comedy hero? Uh, John Cleese. Very good. Excellent. Um, quick fire jingle. Oh, God, I've moved away again. <laughs> <laughs> quick fire. Nice. Just smashing um, the keyboard. <laughs> quick fire. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, Mr. Henry Shields. Um, I might try and add like an applause in there as well. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah. said that like there would be an applause, but that's yeah. obviously not. Um, 
Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me, Miss Shields, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, do keep an eye out for our next episode. I don't know what order these are going out in, so you know, hopefully this is the first one. But you know, it could be third or something. You you know, we'll find out. It has to be. Are you going to introduce? No, it has to be the first. first. I'm going to introduce them all as the first episode and <laughs> confuse everyone. Yeah, I right. keep thinking they've gone back in time. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we'll. Um, I'm going to announce it from uh, my Twitter account, but also you can follow all the latest in the mischief world uh, on Twitter by following at Mischief Comedy. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening and thanks for making mischief. Goodbye. I might not end it with that weird <laughs> goodbye. Hold on, we're still recording. <laughs> all right, I'm going to stop recording now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.